Welcome to Two Minute Practice. Here, the hosts of the Lean Into Art podcasts explore and encourage you to join us in trying all kinds of different creative activities that help us practice things related to making our art, exploring, growing in our business practice, and even trying things for a healthy lifestyle. Every episode, we talk about what we practiced recently, things we saw in the community, and then we highlight a new thing, an idea for you to try to practice. I'm Jersey Drozd, cartoonist and teaching artist. I'm Rob Stenzinger, UX designer, coach, and interactive maker. Two minutes is a findable amount of time to try things. Let's see what we can learn and make when we make it easy to try. All right, two minute practice time. Hey, Jersey. Hey, Rob. So what what uh what were we practicing this week? Well, let's see. So looking back, um that we we were saying that the this whole bibliomancy thing is kind of fun and looking back through through things on your shelf, could be comics, could be any kind of book, but flip through some pages and do that thing where stop at a random spot and see what you notice. What what moves you or, or, or you know, is, is it really positive, really negative? Uh, what storytelling elements are affecting you? And uh, just take note of that and, and do that for two minutes at a time. So, you know, when you describe that that way, I realized that uh, my bias got, got in the way of part of my practice because like I specifically was only looking for things that made me happy. <laughs> Nothing wrong I, with that. And there was, there was a... I have to say, like, th that's how it played out for me, too. So you're not alone. I mean, of course. You know, okay. It's, it's hunting for those, like, hidden treasure things, right? But but you're right. Like, when you use the word moved, I, there were things that, like, I saw where I was like, meh, you know, like, moved in a negative way. Like, yeah, that's not <laughs> that's not skillfully done, you know. Um, but, uh, or that's boring. But what I wound up capturing were, I did three practices. And what I wound up capturing were things where I was like, ugh. This makes me happy whenever I look at it. So let's start with yours. What did you do for your practice? Okay. I'm going to, to switch to my desk camera. All right. Oh, Linda Barry. That's a great place to go. Yeah. Um, what a source. Oh, yeah. I, I have um, just a whole big stack of uh, um, things I took off my shelf. I mean, that was the, that was the process. I didn't make it through the stack. Um, I, I just, I grabbed a bunch of books that, well, I, I just, as soon as I saw them, I was like, Ooh, yeah. What's in here. And, and so of course this book, which I'm, I'm just only scratching the surface on in my read of it, it's, it's sort of on my pile. And, uh, but what I, and, and so I, I, I would go through something in my, you know, in the pile and then, well, um, do, uh, do this practice and, and, you know, see what came up. But then I put a little sticky note uh, on there. So with the Linda Berry book, I, I found uh, inviting complex landscapes of words, images, asking me to try to grow and create. And um, I, that just felt awesome. This is, you know, that's, that's, and that's, this book is, is, is full of, full of that. It's a very dense landscape. And, um, that's that stood out to me there. If I go into super detail, we're we're going to do an hour long podcast, so I'm going to keep flying. <laughs> um, I have uh, a stack of old um, the uh, like instruction manuals and stuff for different uh, games. Back in the uh -huh. day, people would design and print and pack in for free instructions and stuff, right? For for yeah. video games, or sometimes even bonus comics. So here's the, and those are by Jose Garcia Lopez, Atari Force. Oh my gosh, those books are so good. 
yeah, and this isn't in perfect condition and stuff, but it's, uh, so I was, um, uh, and and so sometimes I would th- I would think of of like what caught my eye at the time and also what catches my eye now and and it just I would just quickly do this I mean I didn't have time to like sit there and and hi- get into deep context and clarifying I just went like oh um, I really you know it stood out to me a lot of a lot of media and stuff that I consumed wasn't very diverse and so I thought I know I thought it was awesome that the Atari Force had some some diversity um, that's cool. But then there was mm-hmm. uh, books that, like, this is a, what's funny, this is a reprint that a friend got, um, basically had too many copies of, of, so that they gave me their uh, their copy of the Akari Warriors thing. And I'm like, <laughs> gosh, I really did consume a lot of stuff, the, um, like, art that was inviting powerful feelings on being a powerful creature, right? So, yeah. you know, because, yeah. of course, Akari Warriors, oh, buff dudes, look at that. <laughs> Uh, buff dudes with guns um uh but then stuff like reality is broken i've referred to this book a ton over the course of this podcast it's been around a while and it was um i recently got a physical copy i've always had a digital one but um one thing i love about reality is broken is just thoughtful questions that clarify intentionality for a complex idea and um you know like like thinking about like how does a game work and that's actually a pretty, you know, like what are pretty deep question. And what did I, did I write that page 21? So that's in the prose books. I tried to write down the page number that, that got me um, where, where I just flipped to it and what I was reacting to page 21. Yeah. What exactly is a game? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I could go on, but I, you know, so I did, let's see, Norse mythology. I did Scott Pilgrim. Oh, that's book, a great book. Book three. Um, and so I, and it was neat. I, I, as I went along doing this practice, it's almost like I got hungry from, it was like I was powering up on all the different things that, uh, that, that get me really, you know, excited or that I would love to infuse my work with or practice because of, or something. Right. So anyway, there's, um, yeah, more examples to, to go, but, um, oh yeah. One uh, weird one. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. One weird one. One weird one I found is that um, is how it, uh, the in the instruction manual manual for Zelda: Ocarina of Time, um, uh, I wrote a um, a sticky note, and and I was like, gosh, I like sticky notes for a long time, I guess, because <laughs> um, you know it's one of those things where the books themselves can become repositories of my your own experience, right? Um, and I thought that. Uh, it's it's like finding a, a a treasure inside of a treasure, so yeah. Anyway, that's uh yeah. That that sticky note was was like it was like some kind of button combo for something. Oh yeah, specifically what it was is um it's it's for playing the the um one of the two couple different tunes on the ocarina, which let mm-hmm. you do different things. Uh, or or is it yeah. Ba- Bonnaroo? I don't remember. I I don't remember enough to but it was so the the um the game the game the controller for the um uh for the N- nintendo 64 was that 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 quirky um spaceship looking thing that you had those handles yeah. and like one of the one of the inputs was uh this d- sort of direction pad that wasn't i don't remember they were like they were like little yellow buttons that were like yeah. north south east and west exactly yeah. and that's how you'd operate the ocarina so i could i recognize 
like what I meant there, but I couldn't tell you yeah. what song and stuff that was. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, those old video game manuals. I wish I still had my Metroid one. Um, those were some like the the weird the weird art in them, and then also the fact that yeah, it like it sort of gave you um, a sense of what the story was in the thing that you were playing. So that too. Yeah, I, I, video game manuals are are quite a uh, quite an artifact, and uh, and I just. I was doing that thing where I was just quickly trying to not spend much time preparing for. And so I was just getting a stack of things off my shelf and I saw a video game manuals. I'm like, yeah, okay. And, uh, and yeah, anyway, that was, it was neat. Uh, and I, because I, I keep them because of yeah. Attachment to the game, but like the manual itself, which I know I didn't think that highly of at the time. And I always felt a little annoyed where it's like, what, how do you do this thing? Flip, flip, flip. Yeah. And, yeah. but once in a while it's, you get this really energetic extra art and interpretation on the, the characters. If it's not like exactly representational, um, that that's like, Oh wait, that's cute. Or this is exciting. And it's a bonus. Well, and, and especially going back to like older games, like the NES eight bit system, um, you didn't know what the creatures were even called in these games. You had to use the manual to find out like what the different villains in Mario two were called. Like, Oh, I'm fighting Birdo. I only know that because I read the manual about Birdo. You know? <laughs> um, anyway, another thing like, okay, so this week's leading to art episode was about like service driven marketing. And part of the discussion we had was about how do you name the things that are meaningful about your work uh, in a service minded way I feel like this practice has a very practical element to it in that you're sort of like in a very informal way, charting your tastes and seeing what you refer, what you respond to. And then I'm sure you could take those observations back into the work that you do and see how it's being expressed. Um, and, and in my case, so for my practice this week, I, like I said, I did three. Um, well, let me switch to you instead of that. Uh, I'm switching to all sorts of things instead of my overhead cam. Which isn't working anymore. <laughs> this has been a fun day for, for snafus. Uh, I'll just hold it up to the camera like in the old days. Um, so I pulled, this is a really nice opportunity for me to visit some of my long boxes. I have several long boxes of floppy comics that I never dig into. And I, one of the ones I pulled out, and the moment I saw the cover, I was like, oh, I remember this issue. I remember reading this as a kid. And I really loved it. Like kid, I was like 14. Um, Spider-Man, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, issue 99 there's even an ink stain on it from what it sat on my art desk when i was in high school and i was inking with a crow quill <laughs> or trying to um like this just sat there just because i just i just loved this issue so much and so I, I of course i flipped through and what i landed on was this moment at the end of the story where we look at let me see if i can get it centered in the shot the, the panel that's centered in the shot where spider-man is like rubbing his head and he's like oh my gosh what a day and then the spot who can like leap out of these black spots that hover in the air kind of like a looney tunes character pops out and says one more thing and then spider-man's like oh boy and i felt like this is such a good example of how in comics you can have moments that are beginning middle and end all at the same time like if you take away the dialogue you see the spot raising his finger going like basically saying like, I'm, I'm asking for your attention. And we see Spider-Man's hand is on his head, like going like, oh, oh my gosh. But if you read the dialogue at the top, he's like, oh, great. You know, what a day. So that could have been when he was rubbing his head. Then the spot pops out and then we get the oh boy line, right? 
or not. You know, you could also read it as he didn't put his hand on his head until the spot came out. But either way, there's a before in the fact of him saying, oh, great, what a day. A middle, the spot comes on, says one more thing. And an end in that Spider-Man response, oh boy. I feel like this is one of those things that I get super jazzed about as for, about comics as a medium, things that you can do. And it's it's a very quiet way to do it. It's not drawing attention to itself. It's just a funny little moment in the story. Um, and it's a way for me to be mindful of that. Like when I'm teaching, like this is something I could bring. You could do a whole 15 minute lesson on this, right? And play with it, write out some scenes together and, you know, uh, figure out how you could do a moment that does before, middle and after. My second entry is this issue of ALF, ALF number 22 from Marvel <laughs> Comics. And this is just a nice moment where on the page, we have this scene where ALF is talking with this Professor X analog, and then they come up with the X Melman, you know, which is all funny. But I, I, what caught my eye was this third panel here, which was all silhouette, right? Mm. And it was a moment where I reminded myself that, hey, guess what? Sometimes less is more. And sometimes visual interest is a tool of storytelling. You can break up the flow of visual information just by making something all in silhouette. Is it trying to like convey mood or tone? No, it's just trying to be more visually interesting in a, in a sea of characters. And that itself is a storytelling tool. So reminding myself that I can take shortcuts, not only to make the art easier for me, but also to make it more visually interesting. Um, so that it's nice to get really back in cool. touch. Wow. Because my last okay. one. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Rob. No, I just it's it's interesting the kind of uh, experience the inventory of things that you're you're gathering, and um, yeah. I, I anyway, I'm I'm liking this practice. This is almost like a this is a thing to carry into like maybe a certain stage of, a, you know, d developing a project. This is a thing to do. So go ahead. But yeah. what's your what's your third one? My third one is Justice League America issue 60, the last of the Keith Giffen, J.M. DeMattis run on the series that they brought back uh, artist um, Kevin McGuire. Uh, I don't know if you ever read this, Rob, but it's basically the, the whole premise is it's the Justice League if it were a sitcom. So like you could see like Blue Beetle over here is like out of shape. And, you know, we don't see Batman or Superman anywhere. It's all like second stringer characters. And a lot of the stories revolve around like downtime stuff. Uh, but this is the last issue of that series where like the team's breaking up. And so it's got like a, kind of a somber feel. But I got stuck on this page where these two characters are talking in a park. And in that third panel, we see that the color switches to just blues and purples. Oh, yeah. And then even at the end, they're all just blue. And then like that, like purplish color in the background. Huh. And it, it, again, it's this is something that old comics, like these print, printed comics did a lot yeah. back in the... Yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s, and even into the early 90s um, as a way to create mood, but also to create visual interest. And it's it's simple. It's it's simple and it's expressive, right? And I feel like I don't give myself the, um, the luxury of doing this sometimes. And I love how it can be used to create a sense of depth too, very, very clearly and simply, right? Like, you, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... it's um you're doing a lot of illustrations in a typical comic and like each, each one is a chance to, um, if, if you make the, all the panels conform, then maybe you're losing a chance to express something. 
and mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, having yeah, that's interesting. The the dropping dropping in and out of of a larger color palette. Mm. That's pretty cool. It used to be way more common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, used to be, and it's it's something where I I just felt like okay, that's something to grab onto. Future projects is that something I can like incorporate to help make things more manageable, more efficient, and more visually interesting all at the same time. Because there there are there are different people to serve in a project. There's me, the creator, and then there's the audience, and we both need to be served by this thing. It's not just a one way transmission, right? Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, um, wow. So wow. yeah, I, I feel like this is a good one, and I feel like it was one that we should like pull back and do again. We should do a repeat of this uh, down the road. See what we come up with. Oh, that's cool. I'd be I'd be for that, and and I imagine there's ways to constrain it to to dial in uh, different kinds of. Well, I, so if you're trying to gather like a really strong, mm, like a mine of inspiration. I mean, it's a bit like the uh, like a mood board effort, but you could theme it based on different things. That is, uh, I mean, it's a great spin up activity for um, for doing work on a project. Um, oh gosh, yeah, you're right. Like when I could do physical classes again, that's gonna be something I do. I'm gonna dump a big pile of comics in the middle of the room. Say, everybody, grab three. <laughs> you know, and you have to you have like two minutes to find something interesting in each of them, and you got to be ready to talk about it. That's an awesome warm up exercise. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, All right. That's that's super cool. So. I, you know, we'll revisit this one. I assume we're not going to revisit it immediately, though. No. <laughs> so what what do you want to do next week or this this week for the two minute practice? Hmm. Well, let's see. We've we've been uh, we've been doing a variety of things. This was the, yeah. This was more of a, a a seeking and taking notes. It's almost like an annotating type of exercise to create an inventory. So. What would be another activity? Hmm. Composition or I don't, I'm just letting words come out of my mouth. I honestly have no idea what. Well, what we did the composition one not long ago yeah. where we were doing like a squint test at art. Hmm. Um, I feel like it, it, the time has come for us to do a sound one again, like making <gasps> making noise. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's been a while. Like, what kind of noise do you want to make? Do you want to uh, pick up an instrument kind of thing and see what happens? Or Well, I'm, or... yeah, I'm, I'm moved into my new home, so I can actually get access to my, I have a couple different instruments I could Ooh. potentially play. So, so what would be a good constraint to have when you pick up an instrument? Mm. Mm. Yeah, besides the two-minute constraint of just making uh-huh. noise for minutes. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like just try your best to try to capture like uh, 15 seconds of a piece of music that you like. Oh, okay. So see what comes. So uh, in the two minutes of exploration with, uh, with the sound, uh, see if there's uh look for a, a, a strong 15 seconds. Is yeah, well, I think about I think about like the 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 old joke from the Wayne's World movie where it's like the he picks up the guitar and he immediately starts playing Stairway to Heaven. They're like, no, and they point to the sign. Nobody plays Stairway to Heaven. But it's like <laughs> having been around musicians when I was growing up, it's like they all had like I remember like Metallica's one. And it was a, that oh, that yeah. dun, 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 dun thing. Oh yeah. And I remember like when my buddies like he cracked, like, he figured out the notes. He's like, look at look at what I can do. And he's like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, yeah, and You're like maybe that's enough. 
that was a victory and I didn't notice it at the time, you know? So maybe this is something where we just wanted to capture a few notes of a, of a piece that we like and just play it for, 50, for two minutes. Okay, cool. So, and it, so it's about, um, uh, react. This is a, you playing on your, your instrument based on some other song you've heard, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. That's what do you think? Yeah. It sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like, okay. Yeah. And that means I'm going to have to like bring one of my instruments down to the studio for next week's recording so we can demonstrate it. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's see how that goes. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Jersey. So if you're ready to set aside two minutes to play along and do the practices. First, you need to pick something to practice. Then prepare a way to time yourself. And then give it a try. If you don't know what to practice but want to try, make your first practice all about brainstorming the things you want to learn. And if you want more ideas, you can always go to leanintoart.com slash two, the number two, minute practice.